Oh, Jesus, we declare you are Lord of all, that every square inch of our lives in this world, everyone and everything in it belongs to you. Uh, Jesus, we long to see your power and authority over the entire earth, for everything we know to be your sovereign and good will, not only done, but seen to be done amongst us and amongst everyone. Until then, Jesus, we need your help. Grant us faith by your spirit. Help us to submit ourselves to your good rule. We pray these things in your mighty name. Amen. Kids, glad you're with us this morning. Maybe some of you are already getting excited for summer camps. Uh, years ago, I was a camp counselor at a uh, Christian camp for a few weeks. Uh, one particular day, all the camp counselors were brought to a meeting. And uh, at that what didn't prove to be the best of ideas because it meant that the campers were left alone in their cabins for about an hour. Well, after we learned all the logistics and things that were going to happen, we came back to the cabins and uh, walked into one particular, it was like a row of different rooms together with about 40 guys in it. And as soon as we opened the door, we could tell something was not right. We could hear some chanting going on, see some sort of a crowd in the hallway. As we walked in, the image came into focus. Uh, there was a group of teenage boys, all shirtless, and they formed a circle around two boys who were in the middle. Uh, those two boys were armed. Uh, one of them had found a meat tenderizer somewhere. And the other one had found a toilet brush. And they were faced off, and all the rest of the boys were chanting, fight, 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 fight. Uh, I remember one of the adults that walked in the room with me yelling, who's in charge in here? And of course, the answer was nobody. That was a big problem. Someone's got to be in charge, right? Someone's got to be in charge or chaos ensues. That, that's true in a family. Kids, you've got parents that God's given you for a reason. It's true at work. Someone's got to be the boss. It's true in an army. Someone has to be the general. Someone's got to be in charge. And when something has gone horribly wrong, people start asking, just who is in charge anyway? Uh, maybe you've been asking that question as you've been watching what's going on in the world lately. Wars and bloodshed and death. You'd be forgiven asking, is there anybody in charge? Well, there's good news for all of us. Because it turns out there is someone in charge. Uh, our passage this morning shows us that Jesus is in charge of everyone and everything. And that is the best news ever. Uh, we see this in two sections as we move through this account of Jesus in the aftermath of a very eventful Sabbath in the synagogue. Uh, Jesus showing his authority over devils and diseases and, and even declaring the coming of God's kingdom. Uh, we'll move through it in two sections. First, in 38 through 41, we'll see his authority over disease and devils. His authority over disease and devils. And second, in 42 through 44, we'll see his authority to declare the kingdom coming. His authority to declare the kingdom coming. And all this, I hope we leave convinced that there is someone in charge of everyone and everything. And praise be to God, his name is Jesus. 
Let's begin in that first section, 38 through 41. His authority over disease and devils. Uh, last week, we had that uh, very special synagogue service, Jesus casting out a demon right in the middle of the assembled people of God. What a scene that was. And he did it all just by the power of his word. Well, what comes next are two scenes that happen in the aftermath of that. After the buzz has died down and all the conversations have ceased, after God's people started to get hungry and went their own ways back to their homes for a little Sabbath rest, uh, Jesus, like any good preacher, has to go somewhere for a post-service lunch. But he ends up going, we're told in verse 38, to Simon's house. That's uh, Simon, who we'll know as Peter soon. Uh, he goes to Simon's house, and this is the occasion for a little conflict. Uh, in Simon's house, there is someone beloved who is suffering. Simon's mother-in-law, we're told she has a, a high fever, a little detail from Dr. Luke for us. Uh, you have undoubtedly experienced the, the misery of a high fever. It's debilitating, even for the strongest of us. You, you can't get up, you can't think, you don't want to do anything. Uh, without modern medicine, a high fever could be downright dangerous. No antibiotics, no ER to run off to. Uh, this was a deadly serious problem. So how are they going to find a solution? Well, they... They just saw Jesus do something miraculous at synagogue, so they come and they start appealing to him on behalf of the mother-in-law. Well, will you help? Could you do something, Jesus? Uh, there's a question embedded here. Uh, Jesus has shown the authority to cast out a demon, but does Jesus have power over a disease? Well, Luke very briefly tells us, yes, he does. In verse 39, and he stood over her and he rebuked the fever. Now, for all the different remedies you may have in your family history, there's some odd ones. Uh, people like to put things on their feet and put socks on top. I've been told uh, bathing and certain different things might bring some relief. There's all sorts of different remedies people have, right? I don't know of many people that think that talking to the illness will do much. And in fact, if you try this, I can guarantee you it will not go well. Nothing's going to happen because you don't have the authority over your earthly flesh. But apparently Jesus does. Because just with a simple rebuke, just a word, the disease flies away. Uh, in a moment, she's well. And she's able to stand up and she's so well, in fact, that she starts serving everyone. Uh, she turns into the hostess with the mostest in just an instant, all because of the power of Jesus. Uh, Jesus has power, it turns out, not just over a single demon. He, he has power over disease, our physical body, our frames as well. Now, you might think, okay, maybe he got lucky with one demon and maybe got lucky with one disease, but... Is that the sort of authority he has? Could he do this all the time? Well, it's as if Luke just keeps broadening out the spheres that Jesus is demonstrating his power in. Uh, first in the synagogue, then in someone's house, and now in 40 through 42. A whole group of people in that same house. Uh, we're told in verse 40, the sun was setting, so the light's starting to fade. And word has gotten out about Jesus. 
uh, people start showing up at Peter's house. And they're bringing with them people with all sorts of afflictions, diseases and even devils alike. Uh, but Jesus, he, he shows he can handle them all. He, he rebukes fevers. He casts out demons. He does it again and again, so much so that Luke can say he healed everyone, all of them that came to him. Now, in doing this, again, Jesus doesn't do miracles just to put on a light show. No, he has a purpose behind them. Uh, Jesus is demonstrating that he is the Messiah, uh, the one who has the very authority of God to accomplish God's will. Uh, remember that all the way back to the beginning of this whole unit where Jesus revealed himself as the Messiah to his hometown crowd in Nazareth? Well, this is Jesus living those words out, uh, delivering people from uh, the oppression of demons, helping the afflicted and suffering with his healing touch. Uh, Jesus has power enough for everyone, and there's not a single foe that could dare stand against him. Now, while the point Luke has this here is obvious, that this is proving that Jesus is the Messiah, there's a little bit of narrative irony here that I don't want you guys to miss. Uh, notice, that this is proving Jesus is Messiah. But who knows his true identity? Uh, back to earlier in chapter 4, when he was in Nazareth, remember, Jesus very clearly, from the scriptures, said, the Messiah, it's me. And got his hometown friends and family, couldn't, they couldn't accept that. So much so that they wanted to kill him. Uh, but do you notice verse 41? There's some someones, a series of someones that know who he is. And demons also came out of many crying, you are the son of God. Uh, earlier in the synagogue, the demon that was cast out said, uh, you are the holy one of God. Now he calls him the son of God. Uh, even his enemies know who he is. Uh, they declare who he is not because they're trying to worship him, but because his authority, his authority is absolutely irresistible. Even as his own people will reject him and will refuse to believe who he is, even the greatest enemies of God and his people, the very evil spirits, declare that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. Now this passage the reason these two scenes are put together, again, it's a, very obvious. It is to prove that Jesus' words, that he was the Messiah, were true. That he really does have power over, yes, disease and devils. But what does that have to do with you today? Does Jesus still heal miraculously like this? Many people stumble over this very question. Uh, they wonder if Jesus is in charge of everyone and everything, including my body then why do I get cancer? Why does someone I love who has lived a life for God, why, why do they end up with a debilitating disease that slowly, slowly causes their physical body to, to waste away until they die before our very eyes? Why does stuff like that happen? Uh, sometimes people lose their faith over those very sorts of questions. But friends, I'm here to tell you this morning that you don't need to lose your faith if you or someone you love gets sick. Uh, you need to believe two things about Jesus. First, that he has the power to heal, 
any disease, but also that he has a purpose for when he heals diseases. Uh, you know, the, uh, Jesus uses all sorts of different ways to, to heal people. Uh, we're familiar with getting sick and then just getting better seemingly on our own. We have immune systems God's given us. We should be thankful for them. And yet, why is it that sometimes our immune systems work and sometimes they don't? Well, at one level, it's because Jesus uses our immune systems to heal us sometime. We should give him credit anytime we get over a cold. At the same time, Jesus also uses medicines and doctors. Well, he had a, a bit of a health scare at his last congregational meeting. I'm so thankful for defibrillators and first responders and ERs. And I'm thankful Jesus uses all those things to spare our lives so often. We should give him glory when he uses a doctor or a medicine or a medical device because he's Lord of all. And then there are some times where Jesus chooses to flat out do a miracle uh, where someone gets sick and God's people are moved to pray and they see God act in a way that defies medical explanation. Uh, I heard a story of someone that used to go to this uh, the church that met in this very building that had a diagnosis that looked like it would be terminal, called for God's people to pray, and they were miraculously healed. In moments like that, we should not be afraid to say, Jesus healed them. He has the power over disease. We should give him glory when he uses it. And yet there are some times where he doesn't heal, at least not here on this earth. Uh, there are times where he lets us suffer for long periods of time and then recover. And there are times where he lets us suffer for a long time and even die. And, and those moments need to remember that Jesus' main goal in our lives is not that we would be healthy and whole, is we, that we would be forever satisfied with him that we be more like him each and every day and more useful for his purpose, however long we might be in this world. Oftentimes, he wants us to become more patient. So he gives us long, hard days to test our patience. Oftentimes, he wants us to be more merciful. So he teaches us how hard it is to suffer so we would have sympathy for others who suffer. Oftentimes, he wants to enhance our witness so he puts us in a place where there's nothing left except our faith, so it could be seen all the more clearly. I had a faithful grandmother on my mother's side. So thankful for her faith in Jesus, and I know she's in heaven. And I got to watch her suffer and eventually die from Parkinson's disease. It's a horrible disease lose control of your muscles, you get tremors. Uh, little by little, you lose your ability to, to move altogether. Racked with pain, it's, and there's no cure for it. We can alleviate it to some degree, but in her case, there wasn't much that could be done. And toward the end, it was hard to even be in the room with her. And yet in the midst of her suffering, God had a purpose. Jesus was doing something. I, I remember one time my mother went to visit her and at this point, the Parkinson's had gone so far, she couldn't even speak uh, in a way that you could understand her unless you were right next to her. And she was shaking with tremors, and 
you could tell she was trying to say something, but you couldn't understand what it was. And my mom put her ear to her mouth. She said, she's singing hymns of praise. Friends, Jesus has a purpose in whatever suffering, whatever disease you might have to live with. And you have to remember that one day, you are guaranteed to be healed. It just might be in the resurrection from the dead and the new body he'll give you. But no matter what sickness or affliction you may live through, never, ever for a second doubt that he has power over disease because he is the one who's in control of everyone and everything, and that includes your body. Now, I'm not going to spend much time on his control over evil spirits or demons because last week was focused on that. I'll just limit my comments to this. If you look out at the world and you watch world events, it's hard not to come to a conclusion, a conclusion that, that there is someone or something making sure that the world does not go well. Uh, why is it that no matter how many treaties or tanks people build, no matter how much deterrence we set up, people always find a way to shed more blood and cause more suffering. Uh, the Bible's answer is partly that there are enemies of God and his image bearers who want to destroy very real beings, uh, Satan and his demons. But the good news is that they ultimately will not succeed that Jesus has power over disease and he also has power over demons. So when you see a never-ending, seeming like a, a never-ending feed of bad news coming through the news feeds, remember, it's not always going to be that way. Jesus has power over even the evil spirits that dominate this world. And one day his rule will be seen even over them. Well, these two scenes together show us examples of Jesus as the authoritative Messiah, showing that he has power over disease and demons. But that's all, if you think about it, that's, that's all Jesus in conflict. What about building something? What about positively? Well, that's what the second section shows us. Uh, Jesus has authority to declare the kingdom come. That's in verses 42 through 44. If you remember back to the beginning of this, this section in Luke, back in verse 14, we saw that Jesus, at his core, was a preacher. Uh, he was going around the Judean countryside, preaching in all the synagogues. And by the time this unit is over, he's going to be back doing the same thing. He has a, a message. As God's Messiah, he has to go and deliver a message that all of God's people need to hear. But before that can happen, there's an obstacle he needs to get over. Uh, surprisingly, a crowd that wants to keep him from leaving. Look at verse 42. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. So Jesus, the next morning, after this night of wonders and ministry, uh, he as is going to be his pattern. He needs to get away, both to pray and to recuperate and, and just to make sure things don't get out of hand. He, he goes off to a place where there aren't many people, a desolate place. Only the crowds follow him. 
And it says that they try to keep him from leaving. Now at a level, you can understand why the crowd would want to do this. I mean, Jesus is the most merciful, patient, loving, gracious person you'll ever meet. Uh, They have seen the very wonders of God before their eyes. They have experienced the power of God through his teaching and preaching. Who in their right mind, having experienced that, would want it to end? But Jesus has a mission he's on. He is the Messiah who sent to deliver a message. Look at verse 43. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. Uh, Jesus is here for a reason. And he needs to go to other places as well. He's been given the message of the kingdom of God. Uh, Dr. Phil Riken describes the kingdom of God as simply the rule of God extended to a certain realm. It is the area over which things are the way they should be, with God on the throne visibly seen in some sense. Uh, Jesus is going around declaring the good news of that reign breaking in from heaven into this broken world. But the amazing thing is Jesus is not just the herald of this news for one town. He's the herald of it to the whole of Judea, and one day he'll make sure that it is heralded to the entirety of the world. Uh, Jesus has this role to declare that there's someone in charge of everyone and everything. That there is someone sitting on the throne of heaven who has all power and authority. And that God's people need not worry as a result. Well, at the end of this, we see Jesus going on his way, resuming his itinerant preaching. Uh, He goes around to the synagogues all throughout the Judean countryside. Preaching again and again with that very word of God. the, The power of God through his words revealing the kingdom of God. So how do we apply this to ourselves? Let me give you two lines of application. Uh, The first is ask yourself, is Jesus reigning over every square inch of my life? Is Jesus reigning over every square inch of my life? Uh, Over the course of the pandemic, our family acquired a puppy. That's gone well in some ways, and it's been fun in other ways. Um, and dogs are territorial animals. They, they like to have an area they call theirs. And our dog, Willow, has a perch over which she looks out over the realm that is hers. Um, We have a back patio, and there's this one spot she likes to go out on when we let her outside. She just goes, sits up on that perch, and she surveys the entire yard. And from that spot, she can spot every squirrel, every bird, and any neighbor that might dare come near the fence line. Nothing escapes her gaze. And she uses her authority, and she lets people know about it, too. She barks and she runs up to chase off in her interlopers. Uh, that's her realm. She knows every square inch of it. Now, Willow doesn't have access to the other yards in the neighborhood. 
And she doesn't even have access to our whole house without our permission, at least. But Jesus is different. All of it is his. Uh, Abraham Kuyper once famously said, there's not one square inch over the entire existence of humanity over which the sovereign Christ does not declare mine. All power, all authority, everyone and everything belongs to Jesus. Uh, after he went around preaching, uh, one day he ascended, now first up onto a cross. After dying and being buried in a grave, he ascended even further than that, up to heaven itself. Uh, from that place, he sat down on a throne of all authority. And indeed, he was given power, power to reign over the world and everyone in it. A power that one day will be visible. But for now, that power is seen only in certain realms, specifically over his people, the church. Uh, do you realize that's what we do when we get together on Sundays? Uh, Jesus, it's wrong to think of it as the, this building is the place where the kingdom of God is visible. But the place where we gather in the midst of the assembly of God's people. That is, that is the kingdom of God here on earth. And Jesus is Lord over us. We need to ask ourselves as individuals, uh, are we living in such a way where that lordship is in fact over every square inch of our lives? Uh, a friend, he doesn't want to just be Lord over your Sunday. He wants your Monday through Saturday as well. Uh, he doesn't want to just be Lord over what you listen to, but what you watch. Now, not just Lord over your work day, but your leisure time. Uh, not just Lord over the words that come out of your mouth, but even the thoughts that you think. Every square inch of your being, inside and out, physical and spiritual, it belongs to Jesus because there's someone in charge of everyone and everything, and that includes you, friend. Now, a good question to ask yourself, are there any words that Jesus has said that I wish he hadn't said that make me feel a little bit uncomfortable? And so that's usually a good indication that there are a few square inches somewhere in your heart that have not yet bowed the knee to Christ the way they should. Remember, friend, he is a good king. He's not a tyrant. Uh, he's the sort of king that loves his subjects so much that he would die for them. So would you willingly welcome his reign over every square inch of you? Because he's Lord over all. Second line of application. Ask, are we being the messengers that the Messiah intends us to be? Uh, now, Jesus is not on earth going around preaching synagogue to synagogue, town to town, like he was back then. And yet his mission as Messiah is not done. Uh, there is still a kingdom that is breaking into this world that needs to be announced. There are new citizens that need to be welcomed in. And Jesus is not one to leave a job unfinished. Now, he's just empowered his disciples to carry forward that same work. Now remember, Luke wrote both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. At least I'm convinced he did. 
And it's amazing that Luke is very consistent on this. Uh, right before Jesus ascends into heaven, uh, we're told that he spends time teaching his disciples. And what does he teach them about? The coming of the kingdom of God. And then flip with me, the very end of the book of Acts. This is, at this point, Paul is in Rome. He's made it to the center Center of the world, in a sense. A place where Christ had not been preached yet. We're told, Acts 28, verse 30. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Do you see, brothers and sisters, uh, Jesus commissions his disciples to go out, make other disciples by telling people about him and telling people that there's someone in charge of everyone and everything, and his name is Jesus. Uh, maybe you're the, like many believers, have trouble knowing where to start in your evangelistic conversations. You, know, you get in a conversation with someone you get the sense they're maybe not a believer. You're like, how, how do I graciously and in a compelling way start a gospel conversation? Here's a question you can ask. What do you think's wrong with the world? Why do you think things are so messed up? Uh, don't you wish that there was someone in charge of everyone and everything? Someone who was good? Someone who was powerful? Someone who could be trusted? Someone who can make it all, all right. Then you can tell them, good news, friend. There is someone. And his name is Jesus. Uh, brothers and sisters, we've been given the, the news that this world has needed from the very beginning. This world isn't out of control and broken so far beyond repair. At least not because there's someone who's in charge of everyone and everything. The man, Jesus, who can fix it and make it the way it should have been from the beginning. Our brothers and sisters, certainly this is a reason for us to be faithful as we think about sharing the gospel locally, but also around the globe. As Jesus went town to town declaring the kingdom of God, it shows that it's not just one group of people that need to know that there's someone in charge of everyone and everything. No, the whole world needs to know. And that needs, means some people need to go and tell that news and see the kingdom of God establish new outposts in places in which it seemed like there was no one in charge. They need to know that Jesus is Lord of all. So let's be faithful in our prayers. Uh, let's be faithful to send. And as the Lord might call us, let's be faithful to go until the whole earth knows the one who is in charge of everyone and everything, Jesus himself. Now in a second, we're going to sing a song that speaks of the entire world experiencing joy. Listen to the reason why. Let the nations be glad. Uh, as your holy church goes forth in the Holy Spirit's power with the glories of the gospel to explain now we pray your kingdom come 
And we pray your will be done for the honor and the glory of your name. Brothers and sisters, it's good news. Jesus is in charge of everyone and everything. Let's pray.